Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents Max Smith and Kyle Reese. Welcome to Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fans. It is Matt Smith and Kyle Reese on your Sunday morning. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning, Coach Reese. How you doing, buddy? Good morning. How are you? You know, I'm good. It's a very chill Sunday. And I love chill Sundays. Yeah? Yeah. If you're, you're I'm, not a, I'm not a natural morning person, but what I do appreciate about the morning is the quiet, especially on the weekends. So I'm, I'm all about it. The lack of traffic. The lack of traffic. The lack of, you know, just me Hustle having to deal with crap. Pete, like people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Typically, you don't want to be the first person that I talk to in the day just because, you know, I'm not that type of guy. I'm not, like, rolling out of bed with a smile on my face. But for some reason, you don't you don't ever end up catching the worst of it. So consider yourself lucky. <laughs> I don't know if I... You might be the lucky one. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Is that right? We were out at uh, the DenverSports.com zone yesterday, and it was day 10 of training camp. The Broncos have a day off today. Obviously, since we were outside the castle walls, we didn't get to watch practice, but I was catching up with accounts of what happened. And I'll tell you, sounded like a better day for us. So, you know... Th- can this we say why? Good. Can we say yes, why? That is, that, that, you know, it's a good thing. You're, we're outside the castle walls. Can we say why? Because you're not allowed. Because every time you go, someone gets hurt. Every oh, time oh. you go inside the castle walls, yeah, yeah, there's an, mm-hmm. a catastrophic injury. So you are bad. confined to the outside across the street. Yeah, the last two years, the last two times I've been to camp, Tim Patrick has suffered season-ending injuries. So I'm limiting myself from... The amount of exposure that I'm going to, you know, force those guys to have to deal with. Do everybody a favor. Yeah. Yeah, It's good. Yeah. Thanks, Homer. (laughs) So. Sounds a little better, though. Russ was a little bit better yesterday by all accounts. Um, Not not to start the two-minute drill. They ended up. So on Friday, they ran a lot of the two-minute stuff, situational stuff for the first time. And Sean Payton was speaking after practice yesterday, Kyle, and he was talking about all the different situations that he's going to be running the Broncos through here over the next few weeks. And after the performance that the first-team offense put in in the two-minute drill on Friday, makes sense that they had to redo it, right? It was pretty bad. Yeah, pretty Pretty bad. bad. And you were there for that one. Yeah, I mean, you put yourself in a hole right out the gate and get two penalties, goes from first and 10 to first and 20. And, uh, you know, that, those kind of things are insurmountable, particularly in that, that two-minute situation. So glad that they had a, another opportunity to remedy that. Yeah, and there were penalties that held them back on Friday. And we've been talking about penalties all off season, tied for third in the NFL and total number of penalties, tied for fourth and pre-snap penalties. If you can just remove some of the dysfunction from the entire operation from last season, then the 4-9 and nine record in one-score games, it's reasonable to say that, yeah, you could win maybe two or three. 
And you'll notice I said two or three instead of three now after what I've seen at training camp. I'm hedging my bets. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right, that was last year. That was last year. That's bringing yeah, up old stuff. Yeah, well, Sean Payton is. Sean Payton is, and he's brought that up a lot over the last week. You've heard him reference the pre-snap penalties because those are drive killers on both sides of the football. I mean, pre-snap penalties offensively, Kyle, that can take you out of a short yardage situation. Pre-snap penalties can take you out of field goal range. It can cost you a down, right? Defensively, it can turn a third and five into a fresh set of downs for your opponents. So those little mistakes all add up. And when you have 13 one-score games out of 17 you play, little moments make a big difference at the end of the day. Yeah, and unfortunately, when you're on a team like that and you have these heartbreaking losses, you go back and you can reflect on all of those moments, right? And you say, only if I had it or if we hadn't had this penalty there and all those things become magnified um, because you are losing in such a, a just a cringe-worthy way. So, uh, look, I'm not mad at him for harping on those things. 113 penalties last year. Yeah, it wasn't good. Yeah, it was not good. It's a recipe for losing. And I think they had 44 pre-snap penalties all season long. And the only reason I know that number off the top of my head is I was doing a show with No Sean. And I want to say we made a bet. And No Sean said they would be over 30. And I said that I think they're going to cut that number of pre-snap penalties to under 30 this year. I think it was a $50 wager right there. Okay. So they had 44 last year, okay, and they were tied for fourth. The Chiefs, I believe, had the fewest pre-snap penalties, and they were in the mid or or, or early 20s, I want to say. And so I think there's a there's a reason there, there's a reasonable chance the Broncos could get there, but not based upon what we've seen in practice. Though not the last two days. No, you you've got to get some of that. I, I don't even want to say get it out of your system because he's like, man, if you know these are. I'll have to text. No, I can't remember exactly the details of the bet. Yeah. I told him, I said, this is a bet 44? we're both going to make. Yeah, it was 44, 44 last year. So that's what, two and a half a game? Yeah, that's, that's terrible. That's so bad. Yikes. Yeah, you, you, you talk about just, you know, what do they call that, a cacophony of errors? Hey, you and that word of the doy. Word of the day, toilet paper. I mean, yesterday it was uh, matriculate. Today yeah. it was cacophony. I can't wait to see what next weekend's going to be. You got to do something while you're sitting there. <laughs> <It's> knowledge <laughs> is power. Um, so Russ looked better, but not to start the two-minute drill that they had to repeat yesterday. So it started off much the same as it did on Thursday, back-to-back penalties. Kyle, back-to-back penalties, backed them up, I want to say, to first and 25. And, look, this was a Broncos team that if you're buried in that type of a hole – at least over the last season, we haven't seen them demonstrate an ability to really dig out of those situations. Yeah, there's, well, you talked about yesterday, the lack of explosive plays. Right. All right. Um, a poised quarterback, right? Because, you know, first and 25, first and 20, you got to throw the ball, right? And that probably wasn't the game plan when you were approaching that situation, but you got to try to get to a third and manageable situation. So, you know, third and six doesn't happen when you're just running outside zone again. Let me ask so. you about your philosophy with penalties. All right, so let's say, and Kyle, of course, for those of you who don't know, is the head coach over at Overland High School. So let's talk about the theory of getting half back. Is that really what your philosophy is? So let's say, you know, you got a 10-yard penalty. Is your goal the next play got to have at least five? Depends on where you're at on the field. 
Okay. Right? Because if you're in plus territory, you can you can consider going for four downs on that. But you've got to try to get, I would say, at least a third of that. So if you're in first and 20, man, what do I have that can get me to, it doesn't sound great, but second and 12. Okay. Right? Second and 12, how can I cut that particular down in half and now get to a third and medium? So, so just around half. Yeah. Yeah. If Yeah. Right around it. Okay. Okay, because you always hear that, right? Well, we got to get half back on this play. Right, but you can't go to your traditional on-schedule first down play. You get four yards on first down, you're not in a bad situation, right? But you get four four yards on first and 20, you're in a terrible situation. Right. Right, and sometimes that can put your offense in an uncomfortable position if what you're not great at no doubt. is, you know, not seven to ten yard passes like we talked about yeah. yesterday. Well, what does it do? It lends to predictability now. Sure. Yeah. Right? Because, okay, now we got to defend the screen. Right. Now we got to defend drop back. Right? right? If you The defense wanna, doesn't play as honest. Uh, at all. And they don't have to, right? right. Because I, if you if you want four yards on your, you know, inside zone, knock yourself out. You can have it. Yeah, that makes sense. So, that's mine. So, on the second day, obviously, yesterday, repeating the two-minute drill, started off penalty, penalty, they're buried. First team offense does nothing with their first opportunity. The second team offense drove down with Jared Stidham and got a field goal when I believe they needed a touchdown at that moment. And then when the first team offense got another crack at it, they made it happen this time. And practice culminated with a 47-yard bomb from Russell Wilson to Jerry Judy, kind of thrown from left side outside the hashes back to the right right corner of the end zone it was a beautiful ball i'll give him credit for that it hung up a little bit but to get to the back corner from the other side of the field he needed to put some air under it however we got a bit of a problem on the play garrett bowles is bear hugging nick Benito. Uh, i mean an absolute bear hug there's no chance that wouldn't have been a holding call i mean i'm surprised they didn't call it there Right, I mean, maybe just to try and get the first first team offense a little bit of positive momentum to end practice. Yes, yeah, is like kicking it. Did you see the throw? No, I didn't. I posted it on my timeline on Twitter or X at Real Matt Smith Matt with one T at <laughs> Twitter or X. Yeah, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to call it. There's a lot of great content on there from last night, which was a. Uh, Boy, there's a, there, there was a great moment in the White Sox-Guardians game that we have to get to coming up here a little bit later. But I think it's, you know, bringing up Nick Benito, you hear Nick Benito talked about a lot in camp so far. And heading into training camp, one of our biggest concerns was this front seven, pass rush, defensive line. And he had a lot of unprovens in that pass rushing group when you're talking about Baron Browning, Nick Benito, Jonathan Cooper, and then, you know, whoever you want to add to that list. But I think what's even more interesting is the development that those guys have shown 10 days into camp. Because Jonathan Cooper looks like he's due for a breakout season. Nick Benito is really starting to show up for the first time since he's been drafted. And Baron Browning, I mean, look, I mean, I know he's sidelined on the pup, but we all anticipate when he gets back to continue putting in some of that great work. Right, Kyle? Yeah. And I would think. It's, no, it's a pleasant surprise for both of those guys between Cooper and Benito. And look, if they're giving your big money offensive lineman just a fit day in and day out, you know, what is that? How's that bow for the rest of the NFL? So those are good signs. Now, not necessarily a great sign for your big money offensive lineman because those are your two highest paid players um, in that group. But uh, 
but yeah, you you, you got to appreciate what you're seeing from them because I mean that's where that's where the money is made at. Outside mm-hmm. of quarterback, putting pressure on the quarterback is where the money is made at. So, you know, you can win a lot of football games there. Did you see the play yet? Look, it, look it up. Look it's, it up. It's, it's reload, so, reload the page. I just I just reposted it. Okay. Just so that it, it so I, I can I, get I tw- to it. I zeet a lot, right? So I needed to make sure. I said I, I zeet a lot, yeah, which I, is I, of course what tweeting is it's now. Pretty called. clever. Pretty clever. You try. I don't know about that. That's yeah. actually what it's called. Zeeting now? Yes, you didn't realize that. No, that's legitimately what it's called. X E E T. Look, man, I, I'm I'm not going to be subject to the to the midnight whims of doggone. <laughs> uh, what's the man's name? Elon Musk. Elon. That's Musk. right, Kyle. I'm yeah. not I'm not doing that. No, man. no, we're not doing that. It's Twitter. Yeah, it'll always be retweeting. I'm not going back and forth with that dude. Man. Go look, go look this play up. You gotta I, see, I, the, I, you gotta I, see the spin move that Benito puts on Garrett Bowles and the bear hug that he gets off left tackle. It is, it is, it's an indication that Benito looks like he's all right, but the early reports out of camp that Bowlesy doesn't look like he's 100 percent yet. Yeah, got got high around his neck and. That's a hole all day. The week. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. And you're out on the perimeter, so it's not like you're hiding there, <laughs> right? Yeah, you, know you I mean? are one on one, and Russ doesn't release the ball until way after the hold. So while it's a nice throw, it would have never counted. No, no one saw this 300 pound man. <laughs> yeah, just maul Nick Benito. Yeah, exactly. Putting so, Nick Benito in the headline. So, so talking about those young pass rushers, are you encouraged by what we've seen? Absolutely. Absolutely. Encouraged by what we've seen, encouraged by the reports that, that have come out. And, you know, it, it, again, you weren't expecting superstars out of any of these guys based solely on where they were drafted at. And they have all risen to the challenge. And they probably have heard the murmurs. And, you know, I don't I don't know if they were motivated by the acquisition of Frank Clark or what it was. But these guys have really put in the work and up the, up their game. And, and it's starting to pay dividends for the Broncos. I, look, I'm excited about it, right? Because, one, you're getting them on the cheap, right? Two, you have maybe two solid and a, and a, a maybe, like we would say in spades, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, if like you said, Baron Browning comes back, man. The, think of the rotation that you would have on the perimeter. Well, <laughs> and I just want to temper this conversation a little bit because while they have looked good the first 10 days of camp, the biggest question we've had about a lot of these guys is their ability to set the edge in the run game. We haven't seen that, and and you can't really replicate that on the practice field without tackling to the ground, without going full speed. We're going to see that coming up this Friday because we're about to enter game week for the Broncos. The first preseason game is on Friday night at 8 o'clock here locally on NFL Network against the Cardinals, although it, it's probably carried on one of the on one of the network stations here around here. Make sure you check your local listings for, for or however you digest, you know, cable and network television, television these days. How do you do it at home? Do you have cable? Yeah, we have everything. My wife is my wife is kind of a homebody, uh-huh. so we have everything. Yeah, there you go. Comcast. Oh, man. All the streamings. Oh, man. Yeah, there you go. Disney. There you go. Yeah, you Good. I got them all, too. Yeah. I got them all, too. I look at my bill at the end of the month. I'm paying more than I ever paid for cable for all these streaming services. Look, it's it's absurd. That's why I work so much. It's <laughs> the streaming <laughs> services. Streaming is, that, is that what it is? A lot of, a lot of hours I mean, at the football office. I mean, we pay for YouTube. Yeah, of course. It's ridiculous. Yeah, you don't want to watch commercials. That would just be annoying. Yeah. Tight man. Yeah. So the test for these guys, I think, the biggest test so far will come on Friday night when we really can maybe see a little bit more in, in game action. Think about how crazy that is to say. The biggest test that the Broncos will have so far against the Arizona Cardinals 
Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like the you most You got to play the hand you're dealt. Yeah, you got to play the hand you're dealt. Listen, it's the current state of affairs with the Broncos. Sean Payton did speak afterwards, and he was talking about situational football for a long, long time. And we, t- we referenced the 4-9 and nine record in one-score games. I mean, that's all situational football. That's all how you execute in high-leverage and high-pressure situations, right? And so I thought it was really fascinating because he's talking about it, and he's saying, look, I want my team to think like me so that in these moments when they arise during the game, they'll all react like I want to react. Now, in an ideal world, sounds great, right? But much easier said than done. No, but, I mean, that is the puzzle, right? If if you can get the extension of yourself out on the field, you know, you can start to be a little bit more creative because you because when guys can finish your sentences for you and say, okay, this is what, what you want in this particular situation, right, that opens up so many more doors. And that's a process, and you have to build up to that. I would be surprised if that was something that happened this year, honestly. Of course. Right? Yeah. Um, but as you build up to that, you, you start to really open up the creativity of the player and the play caller. So that's the ultimate goal. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes have that down. Yeah. Have it down. I mean, they're one of the best in football history. Talk about working from a real foundation. They've built that over years and years. I don't think Andy Reid is out there saying, okay, you should jump sideways and throw it while you're on your way to the ground, right? I I don't know that Andy Reid is coming up with that in his head. So No, those are those are all Mahomes. Those and are, that and that's they have a day of the week in practice where that's all they do. Right. But listen, okay, so that's the mastery of it because as a as Andy Reid as a head coach and how he wants his practices scripted out, he probably never would have scripted a period or allowed for time like that with a Donovan McNabb. But he acknowledged. <laughs> you imagine Donovan just leaping yeah, full no, extension no. trying to throw that ball, man. He's a big boy. There's no way he was doing but that. But you see the talent of the player, and you say, you know what, maybe we, we lean into that a little bit more. And that's the greatness of a coach. You know, you let down your own guardrails and allow the player to take advantage of his skill sets. <laughs> we got a story coming up here a little bit later with Coach Prime and uh, a special guest up in Boulder yesterday, which I can't wait to get. Another one? Yeah, I can't wait to get your take on this one, though. We'll we'll hit that here coming up in a little bit. But the biggest news coming out of a training camp practice, number 10, the 10th training camp practice yesterday, was Sean Payton confirmed that the starters will play in Arizona on Friday night. And God bless D-Mac. He said, and Russ, too? And Sean Payton said, yeah, he's a player, too. Yeah. Yeah, you scrub. <laughs> yeah, you thorn in my side. I'll, yeah, he's a player, too. He's going to play. I love the D-Mac doesn't mind asking, though. I love it. I, of course. You don't mind. It was just funny. That was all. But <laughs> he's a player. That is huge news because last year, and we're going to go back through last year's preseason a little bit later in the show, but last year, one of the biggest issues is this team didn't get calloused. But it was more than that. They punted on their preparation. They opted for the first time Nathaniel Hackett would call a play to Russell Wilson in his helmet would be on the road on Monday Night Football against Russ's former team in the loudest stadium in the NFL, which was a terrible plan. This year, that will not be the case. And still had a chance to win that game. 46 left hash. 64-yard field goal. But if you weren't in third and two sticks in the previous play, you well, they were fourth and five, man. You're fourth yeah. and five. And what's so funny is if that if they try to go for it in fourth and five and they don't convert it, think about how the narrative changes. Because if they went for it on fourth and five and they didn't convert it, that's on Russell, not on Hackett. 
Yeah. It was all bad. It was all bad. <laughs> it was all bad. It was all bad yeah, because at trips. the end of, don't you remember that? At the end of that game, we were talking about, let Russ cook. I mean, you're, you just paid this guy $50 million a year. That's who you want to have the ball in his hands in a fourth and five at the end of the game. Especially when the longest field goal ever kicked at Lumen Field was, you know, 57 yards. That was the other option. Yeah. Not great stuff. Not great stuff. Um, Jaleel McLaughlin was also fantastic yesterday. Once again, he had a great diving catch as well as an explosive run. All this kid does every single day, Kyle, seems to be make plays. Wurtz is... What's his ceiling, man? Does he make this team? Does he contribute? Where do you see him fitting? Well, I think those are two different conversations. What's his ceiling and where do I see his fit? Where do I see his fit is change of pace, you know, kind of weapon X type of kid for Sean Payton. You know, I kind of look back to you brought it up yesterday, right, with how he liked to use Darren Sproles in New Orleans, right? Isn't that what you said? But there's more to it than that, right? Sean Payton used a, a lot of, uh, you know, shorter receivers. I think of Lance Moore and, and Jaleel McLaughlin's a, a tailback, but he can also, you know, split out wide and do some things for you out there. They didn't really have a guy like that. I mean, maybe you profile him as a smaller version of what you want to use with Kamara. I mean, is that is that wrong to say? Is that not an apt comparison? I, I, don't, I don't think anything is off the table at this point, right? Because if he continues to flash like this, it's going to get to the point where you can't, not have him on the field in some capacity. They're not similar players, but I'd say they you would utilize them in similar fashions. Who's right? that Sproles and McLaughlin or McLaughlin and and uh at least the way that Sean Payton used Kamara a little bit, moving him all over, maybe not running him up inside the tackles as much. Yeah. But the one benefit with McLaughlin is he's he's that water bug. He's kinda like that Phil Lindsay effect where he kind of gets lost in the in the midst of the trees, right? And then bam, he's out of there and he hit the edge and he's gone. Yeah. Being able to get lost is there's value in that. Especially when you can hit the hole and come out like Speedy Gonzalez. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm kind of just looking at Darren Sproles' stuff. Darren Sproles did a lot for the Saints. And I think Darren Sproles is a hell of a football yeah, player. Yeah. He returned kicks. And obviously, you know, coming from Kansas State, that was he was a specialist for sure. So, you know, being able to to capitalize on those things, I think back on even like a Austin Eckler runs the ball a lot in between the tackles. But what they do with him in the screen game is super creative as well. Um, even though they have changed coordinators there there in Los Angeles, I, I still think you can draw some comparisons there. I'm just trying to think the ceiling. That was a really good yeah. question. But there's, but I'm sure they're scratching their head over Centura, asking themselves the same question. How do we use this guy? Right? I'm trying to think of guys in the NFL running backs that have profiled like him. Like, And in, in, in what's an apt comparison I could give you? He's kind of unique because he's shorter than even Phil. You know, he's shorter than Phil Lindsay was. Yeah. But he's faster, I think. I mean, he's the NCAA's all-time. Well, when he got to the NFL, yeah. In college, in college, there was a running joke his entire career <laughs> with him and Coach McIntyre that he never break away, he never had breakaway speed. And I'll never forget the first time that Phil hit a home run. And he was, I mean, by the skin of his teeth, right? They were they were right on his heels. And McIntyre came back into the press conference just laughing. And we said, ah, Phil finally got one. He finally got one. I kept telling him he's going to get one. Yeah. But he finally broke an 80-yarder. I don't know. That's a good question. Coach I'm going to have to think about that one. I, I don't want to say Ronnie Hillman. May he rest uh, in peace. Yeah. Not bad, though, right? Similar in stature and burst and 
A little bit, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Kind of like a Ronnie Hillman-Phil Lindsay combo is kind of how I would. But Ronnie Hillman and, and guys, Ronnie Hillman and, and, and Darren Sproles, they're kind of like two different types of running backs. For sure. Him. Yeah, for sure. And, and like I said, but I don't think Jaleel McLaughlin is a Darren Sproles either. Like Darren Sproles was a dynamic receiver, and I think that Darren Sproles was bigger than McLaughlin. I'm pretty sure. Maybe not by much. No, Darren Sproles is like 5'6". So he's about the same size. So maybe that is an apt comparison. He's about your size. Yeah, well, no, I'm, I'm not 5'6". I'm not 5'6". Hey, by the way, that's the uh, voice of Shy Boy behind the glass there. Yeah, thanks, Sean. producing worse. All right, so Jaleel McLaughlin had a good day. We'll come up with a... During the break, we're going to put in some work and come up with a comparison. Text yeah. line. 303-713-1043. If you've been out there and he reminded you of somebody, hit us up, okay? The one thing I wanted to ask you about training camp, have you seen enough EOT... From Russell. Have we? I'm just curious. Had, no. Had you seen enough EOT? No. Do you know what that is? No. I have the tiger. No. And Rich Gannon had told us. Whatever it is, it ain't enough. Yes. <laughs> Rich Gannon had told us he wants to see more eye of the tiger. You remember that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Such a corny moment. <laughs> Just just hey, an look, off-season look, highlight, Kyle. Look, That's look, all it was. Look, look, two corny guys, they deserve each other, right? Rich Gannon and, and Russell Wilson. The other thing we learned I yesterday at practice is that Drew Sanders ended up winning the gift card during minicamp in the OTAs for the most boring uh, question to the media, and it was a $50 gift card to P.F. Chang's. Nice. I haven't even seen or heard him. In camp? Yeah, well, after Jonas Griffith went down with an ACL this week, he is going to profile to play a significant role for them this year. Yeah, so he's going to talk a little bit more about Drew Sanders, but there was a surprise guest up in Boulder yesterday, and it's receiving some interesting reaction on social media. We'll dive into it next. Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan presents Matt Smith and Kyle Reese. On the Ramoslaw.com text line, 303-713-1043. Talking about Jaleel McLaughlin, the undrafted rookie running back out of Youngstown State who is putting on a show at Broncos training camp. If he can block, the sky's the limit. Well, I just, I don't know if I'd have that expectation for him, Kyle. (laughs) Would you? Have you seen any of that from him? I don't I don't really recall seeing any of that from him so far. No. No, and I don't think you would ask the 180 pound guy to No, you wouldn't. You know, take on the you wouldn't Khalil match of the world and the <laughs> some the pulses of the world. Someone else says, Matt, the Broncos are five and a half point favorite against the Cardinals and the point spread is thirty seven and a half. We know you're a degenerate and we'll be betting on it. What are your picks? I actually did look at that the other night, and I said five and a half. Hmm. We'll get into the Cardinals and break that down a little bit later, so circle back around, and I'll give you some of my thoughts on that one. But there was a surprise guest up in Boulder yesterday, and no, I'm not talking about Lil Wayne. Not Lil Wayne. That's not who I was talking about. Oh, man. Bourbon Urban. Coach Urban Meyer. 
was at practice yesterday, and it wasn't like Dion invited him. It was more because, you know, Urban Meyer is working for Fox, and Fox has CU twice to begin the year. They have the TCU game and then the Nebraska game, and Urban Meyer's on the panel there for Fox, so he was in town taking a look at the buffs. But there were a lot of people that weren't very happy about it, Kyle. Why? Why? What's the problem? I don't know. You tell me. Why are people upset? Ty's got a prime shirt on, by the way. There you go. Had a boy. Had a boy. Right. I love to see All it. Right. That, that, You'll notice how he had to move off the Otani bandwagon after the Angels haven't won a single game since the trade deadline. <laughs> anyway. Yikes. Anyway. Whoa, no. Whoa. No, I'm teasing. Whoa. I'm teasing, right. Ty. I'm teasing. I my, do my, love my, the prime my, shirt. My guys take shots at Otani like that. Oh, my because, it, because like that. I'm taking shots at the Angels yeah, because it was an Otani. entirely predictable outcome that they haven't won. You know that's true? The Angels haven't won a single game since the trade deadline. They made all those moves, haven't won a single game since the trade deadline. They're back to 500. Entirely predictable outcome. You're going to be sitting there with your you-know-what in your hand at the end of the year as Shohei leaves for New York. So, good luck. Just a dumb decision. Couldn't have said it better myself. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to get a Yankees jersey now, aren't I? (laughs) I think you might have to. Would you do that? Would you? Yeah, he, yeah, he would do that. All right, so Bourbon, Ur- <laughs> so Bourbon Urban was in Boulder. You have any problems with it or not? I don't, man. I don't hate Urban Meyer as much as most people do. I understand. Why that. do you think people hate Urban Meyer? Well, for a lot of different reasons. Um, one, he won a lot. That's true. That that's that can make people hate you. Two, he probably wasn't always the most honest. <laughs> I think that's probably a pretty good way to put it. Yeah. In, in, in some of his dealings. One of the worst coaches in NFL history. And he, he did have a, a really bad tenure there in Jacksonville. So, I mean. Uh, was it a tenure? Was it a tenure? I, I think. I, Are we sure? How long? We'll it, was like it, a long it was like a long summer vacation. I said we'll call it a bid, man. Yeah, a little bid. Exactly. He did a little, he did a little bid, bid in Jacksonville. In Jacksonville. <laughs> that's, that's right, Sean. That's exactly right. Three yachts in a cut. Uh-huh. <laughs> he was 12-3 and three in bowl games in his career. Do you think Urban Meyer ever coaches again? What is he, 59? Yeah, yeah 59. I, listen, if, you know, if the the health issue that he supposedly left Ohio State, I don't think so. Health issue? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't think so. My question is, was it going down on the hill last night? Was it going down at the sink last night? <laughs> in the summertime, it's kind of it's kind of chill in Boulder in the summertime. I don't think exactly, so. which is exactly yeah. the perfect time for things to yeah. be going down at the hill last night. Look, I have no problem with him up there. Look. I mean, he he works for Fox, and not only that, I just you know this is a national championship coach. If he sees anything that he wants to you know mention to Coach Prime to the side, I got no problem with it. Love to have that set of eyes on the program. It didn't work in Jacksonville. And that kind of tarnished the football coach that he is. I'm not talking about the person. I'll let anyone else be the judge of that. Urban Meyer can coach damn football. Maybe not pro football, but yeah. maybe maybe not pro. And and we've seen guys not be able to fit that up. You know, he's a three time national champion. Let's yeah, just he, let's he just coach football, man. Yeah, right. And, and even Pete Carroll had to go back and try it again. Right. There, there are a lot of guys that sometimes the fit does matter. So I'm, I don't have a problem with him up there doing the college football thing at all. Are you looking forward to seeing that documentary about the his Florida teams come out on Netflix? Did you hear about that? Oh, that's scary. I can't wait to see it. That's got to be unauthorized. I think doc. it's what is that? Um, that's scary. Oh, my gosh. I'm blanking that untold untold on Netflix. That's what I heard, because they're also doing the Johnny Manziel 
Johnny Manziel episode where he reveals all the mental health issues that he was struggling with here over the last few years. Yeah, he the little story came out about that this week, huh? Yes, it did. But, I mean, you had Urban Meyer to – just here's the list of people that we know of, that we know of, that have popped up in Boulder here since Coach Prime has taken over. Urban Meyer, Shannon Sharp, Lil Wayne, Rick Ross, Russell Wilson, Cortland Sutton and Company, uh, Gillian Wallow from that podcast – uh, they FaceTime with Terrell Owens. Michael Westbrook is, has been there pretty much all week helping out at practice. Um, I mean, it, it's it's a new world up in Boulder, yeah, Kyle. Yeah. I believe he did EYL up there, too. Earn Your Leisure. That's a uh, financial literacy podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I'm not financially literate, so I wouldn't know about it. Tune in, my brother. Yeah, I might as well. <laughs> that sounds like it's a good suggestion. Do you like the magnetism? Right. Uh, of, of all the celebrities, because I, I just think it's easy to get lost in all these things and it's fun and it, it attracts a lot of attention. But the rubber is getting ready to meet the road here in a minute. Mm-hmm. Right. And before you know it, they're going to be in Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. I'm just smiling because you asked me if I like the what did you say? The, the magnetism. The mag- Absolutely. I love it. OK. I can't wait to see the camera pan around Folsom Field to see who's there for the Nebraska game. Well, and, and look. To me, it, it's their opposite ends of the spectrum. Not that Sean Payton has done a good job of being anonymous and putting their head down and working, he, right? He, you know, well, the old college is, try. That is what, <laughs> but that was the messaging, mm-hmm. at least, right? Complete opposite, right? We're going to work. We're going to tell you. We're going to put our names on the back of our practice jerseys. We're going to invite Little Wayne up. We're going to shoot videos. We're going to be on social media. We're going to be in your face. Mm-hmm. Complete opposite of what's being messaged down on the opposite end of town. Look, this is what CU has to do. The Broncos are in a totally different situation. The Broncos are professionals. CU's 1-11 where you are literally hooking Coach Prime's jumper cables to the program and breathing life back into it. This is the way you have to do it. It's college football. You want to be, you wanna be the, the it girl of college football because that's... That's the what draws attention. It draws it gets players in. Let's, that's what it's about. Colorado is the it girl of college football right now. Now that could all go away very fast if they don't have a good start to the season. But it is one of the most, if not the most, intriguing storyline in the entire country this year. It's just an unequivocal fact. And the one thing that is popping off over the first few days of Buffs training camp, and they started on Wednesday are these new receivers that they have recruited. The skill positions in Boulder have been upgraded to a serious degree. Kyle, when you look at Travis Hunter, obviously, who was the number one recruit in the country two years ago, plays corner and receiver. He's just absolutely dominating in camp. Then you look at Xavier Weaver and Jimmy Horn Jr., who were both the leading receivers at the University of South Florida. They transferred into the program. Jimmy Horn Jr. looks phenomenal. He was also here in the spring. And Xavier Weaver was their leading receiver last year at South Florida. So he's they're both now in the program. But the other kid that I am really intrigued by, and Buffs fans will get to know quite well this year, is a young man by the name of Javon Antonio. All right, now he was a transfer from Northwestern State. And Shador brought him up the other day. But this kid, 6'4", 220, redshirt, he's a senior this year, 6'4", 220. In 2022, he was the Southland All-Conference second-team offense. Um, he won you know, Player of the Week honors quite a few times. He had 64 catches for 684 yards and six touchdowns at Northwestern State. But I'm telling you something right now, big Boy, 
So you add all of those guys in with some of these incoming freshmen that they have. They got this kid, Omarion Miller, who they are really, really high on. He was uh, he was from Louisiana, went to North Caddo. He was a four-star coming out. This is a type of player that in years past they would have projected to be at the top of their receiver depth chart as a freshman. Remember when Shea Fields came in? Oh, yeah. That's kind of yeah. what I'm thinking of when, when I say Omarion Miller. That type of player would have been right away, top of your depth chart. Now, you're actually, CU is loaded, man, skill positions. I, I'm excited for them in that regard. Well, and, I, and I know that he said there's not a, a player or, or in that room that's not a home run hitter this week. Uh, and, and from all accounts, it sounds like he's right. And you didn't say anything about Caleb Mathis. Right, who, who played also very looks well great. in the spring, right? Yeah. Now, because of him being so young, he was an early enrollee. Now he can take some time, develop, work on his body. He may not. He may be pushed down a little bit in the depth chart, but he can ball. He really can go. And then the departure of Lamonius Craig. Right. Yeah. Imagine if he had stayed. Right. How competitive would that room be? So honestly, can I be real with you? You think he doesn't think, crack that lineup? I don't think so. I think that's why he left. I think Javon Antonio is a better option. Okay. He's, he is a monster. He's a monster. What was Lamonius Craig's best best attribute? The well, ball threat. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, they got like in the spring game. Now, who yeah. are all better? So I'm with you. So that may be true. Deep ball threat, maybe hands, you want to say. They got, pl- they got it all over the roster now. There's so, a bevy of guys that can go get it out there. Yeah, so I, I, I'm really not worried about them. And, in fact, Coach Prime was talking about how they have been the most impressive uh, position group throughout camp so far. The other guy I wanted to highlight once again was the running back they got to flip from Notre Dame this cycle, Dylan Edwards. Yeah. This kid, whoo. I mean, you want to talk about another water bug. He kind of reminds you of Jaleel McLaughlin. He's listed 5'8", 160. I'm telling you, he's going he's gonna to return kicks for Colorado, Prime said the other day. But this kid will play a lot, and he's going to make a lot of plays Speed. in Boulder. Speed. You may, you're not old enough to remember, but my man, Roman Hollowell. Sure. Same type of player in stature, right? Different positions. Roman played receiver in high school, slot. But him returning kicks, he was an AP All-American uh, punt returner his senior year, the year that they went to the Fiesta Bowl and, and obviously lost to Oregon. But, I mean, same type of impact player. Hopefully it, does, hopefully it clicks a little faster for Dylan Edwards and he can make those impact plays in the punt game early. You know who? I'll give you another name. I'll give you another former Buffy reminds me of. How about Rodney Stewart? Rodney Stewart was 5'6", 175. Yeah. Yep. Yep. This is a very similar type of kid, yep. I'm telling you right now. And Stewart at Colorado had over almost like 3,600 yards rushing over his career. So, I mean, if Dylan Edwards can come anywhere close. He was kind of like he was the guy at the time because Eric Bieniemy was still there calling the plays, if I remember. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yep. So good things are going on. Exciting things are going on in Boulder, but I'm not sure if you caught this. What happened in the White Sox-Guardians game last night, but it was a scene, and we'll dive into it next. Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan presents Matt Smith and Kyle Reese. What I want, you got that might be hard to handle, like a flame that burns a candle, but can't it be the flame, get, get what I got, full stop, what do you got, Kyle? What do I got on what? On your 40, homie? Don't even worry about it. <laughs> Last night in the White Sox-Guardians game, 
We got a real baseball fight. In fact, last night was supposed to be the night of fights. There was yeah. a UFC fight night last night, Corey Sanhagen and Rob Font. And then, of course, Jake Paul and Nick and Nate, Nate Diaz, Diaz fought last night. Well, they did... They performed last they night. Walked I'll around just, the ring. Yeah, I'll just say that. Yeah, um, but that was not the biggest action of of last night's combat events. It happened on the diamond when Jose Ramirez, who is a one of the most underrated baseball players out there, actually slid into second base, and White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson was right on top of him and tagged him. Now I'm not exactly sure everything. That led to it, but Jose Ramirez, after sliding head first, took exception to the fact that Tim Anderson was at least standing over him, and it led to a little scuffle at which Tim Anderson, boy, you can always tell, <laughs> you can always tell when somebody doesn't know how to fight, because Tim Anderson immediately dropped the glove and went, ah, put him up, put him up, uh, you know, when you get your hands up and it's... It's like you watched every, you know, Rocky or Creed movie out there, and that's the only place you ever learned how to fight, right? Okay. So he's got his hands up, you know, and he lands a shot. I'll yeah, give that's him what credit. I'm saying. That's I'll give so him credit. I wanted to go there. He did land. He, he, yeah, he, he landed a shot. Yeah, he yeah. landed a shot. He threw the first punch. Because Jose Ramirez was just pointing at him and shoving him, and Tim Anderson was the one who escalated it to a real fight. Yeah. He dropped his <laughs> glove, and he put up the Dukes, and he did land one on Jose Ramirez, but there was an exchange that followed, and a right hook from Jose Ramirez landed on the chin of Tim Anderson. And on a baseball diamond, you saw somebody get knocked out. <laughs> he got knocked out. He wobbled. They pulled the chair in the arms of an angel, and Tim Anderson, on his butt, hit the ground. That's two weekends in a row, man. Two weekends in a row. You didn't watch Spence and Crawford. I know you're not. Oh, no, I saw that. Yeah, yeah no, but this is row, this was yeah. better than Spence and Crawford. What are you talking about? Oh, hell no. This but, is a fight. This is an organic saying. fight. Yeah. This is yeah. a real fight. It, 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 look, it's funny because he when he threw the glove off, it, it kind of looked like, oh, man, this this dude is, is ready, right? Yeah, he's ready. He, he, he's ready. He, he's getting But ready. usually when those dudes are ready, they, they, they can't fight all that well, Kyle. Hey, man, I had a... <laughs> I had a buddy in college. We called him 0 for 5, man. <laughs> I said, why are they? What? I hadn't seen all of them, but he got into five fights and lost them all, man. It's like, man, don't start not one more fight. You know, that's probably the message to Tim Anderson. Like, dude, don't. You know what Tim Anderson was last night? What's that? He was the poster child for when keeping it real goes wrong. <laughs> that, that's exactly <laughs> what he was last night. So as I'm watching it, like, and he's being helped off. Oh my gosh, that was the worst part. So him getting knocked out and wobbling and falling over wasn't the worst part. It was his teammates who had to carry him off the field like uh, like your girlfriend after she had too many mimosas at, at brunch. Yeah, hey, look, on her 21st birthday, man. Yeah. Had one too many. Yeah. Oh, what they call that in the red? Overserved? Somebody said, <laughs> somebody said on social media last night, I'd rather have been stretchered off the field than getting carried off the way that he did because that was embarrassing. It's like Okay, you lost the fight, first of all, when you were the one who squared up to start. Then you get your butt knocked out. He did. Okay, he squared up to start, but Ramirez did put his finger in his face. But he didn't, like, touch him. It doesn't matter, man. Like, there's a cold a little bit, right? You know, you don't put your finger in my face. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. That, that yoga mat is still there. yoga mat is still there. I, uh, I don't know. I, I, I thought it was great. More fighting in baseball. 
I'll take more. That's why I always hated them removing the rule where you can't steamroll the catcher. That's that's just that was one of the best rules in baseball. I'm sorry. How many injuries are we really seeing from that? Just a couple of catchers. That's all it is. That's all it is. Well, depending on who they are. All right. So in some Broncos news, and I want to get into this real quick. You say Josh Jacobs. Okay. Josh Jacobs with the Raiders. He is still holding out. In fact, he is the last player that was franchise tagged not to have either signed the tag or worked out a long-term deal. And that deadline to work out a long-term deal, Kyle, has passed. It has expired. So Josh Jacobs doesn't have a lot of great options at this point anymore. He has quite quite simply just a few. He either accepts a $10.1 million deal for one season he works out an enhanced deal with the Raiders with more money and or a promise that he won't be tagged next year. He skips all or part of the regular season. Or the Raiders trade Jacobs in his one-year contract, so you can basically trade him on the tag. And then there's a fifth option, which is rescinding the franchise tag and making him a free agent, which is apparently on the table because the two sides are no closer to an extension. Then, yesterday, Pro Football Talk floated out an idea that if the Raiders were to rescind his franchise tag, the two teams that would be interested are in the division. The Chiefs and the Broncos would be interested in Josh Jacobs, according to Pro Football Talk's Mike Florio, if he becomes a free agent. How does he know that? I don't know, okay. but he's got a lot of inside information, Mike Florio. I can imagine a lot of teams would be interested in Josh Jacobs. And in large part, just to stick it to the Raiders. So I, I don't know how this all plays out, man. I just know that if he decides to stay at home, I don't know that he's going to find himself in a better situation come this time next year. He won't. No, he won't so, because they'll just tag him again, and, and then the next year they'll, they'll let him go. He'll be a year older. He'll be a year away from football. You'll have, you know, you got two more feathers in your cap if you're the Raiders in terms of negotiation. So I, it, it stinks the situation that they're in. I understand why they're doing it, but you just wish these guys had a little bit more leverage. But right now his only card is to not play, man. Do you feel bad for Josh Jacobs knowing that his strategy for – these negotiations has not been driven by maximizing his contract here in 2023, but it's really standing on principle. He's the last guy. I feel bad for him in that regard. Hey, all I'm these sorry. running backs on the Zoom call and the group chats were, we got to do something. And then all of a sudden, he was the last one. Where did everybody go? All the other boxes on the Zoom call were dark. Hey, what happened to we? Yeah. What, yeah. What, what happened, happened to we, Saquon? Yeah, yeah. Did we get some bad news in Joe that Joe Mixon. Listen. Yeah. Hey. Austin Eckler. So, <laughs> I don't feel bad for anybody who's got $10 million on the table. Let's let's start with that. Okay. Right? I, I don't feel bad for him. I do respect his position and what he's trying to do. Is it considering the circumstances? Is it wrong that his offer is 10.1 when Yannick Ngakwe just got signed for 10.5 for one year by the Bears? Help, help me uh, keep going on that. Help me understand. Meaning the that running backs can't get more than $10 million a year, the very best running backs, and a veteran free agent edge rusher who got signed in August got 10 and a half. 
Guys, I got to be honest about this. Go ahead. There, there was a report that came out that said Josh Jacobs, uh, his his agent didn't do right by him in the negotiation um, tactics with the Raiders. We'll see. I mean, we'll see how it all plays out, and that's certainly a possibility because clearly things didn't go right to get to this spot. But one way or another, whether his agent did right by him or not, Saquon just went through the same thing where he had to get a $10 million contract even though he wanted 16 or 17 right? Meanwhile, Yannick Ngakwe is on the street. This is a guy who, you know, every season of his career has had eight sacks, which is a great number, but he's far from a top what? 30 pass rusher in the league? Well, okay. All right. But let's have this. Okay, I'm frustrated with this because I understand the position of the running backs. But understand, this is just like Vegas, man. The math has already been done. The league has slotted the position and the value of the position, and it is what it is. You trying to force fit your way is like you trying to get, you keep pulling the lever on the doggone slot machine. The math's already been done. The money is at the quarterback position. The, the pass rushing position, the people that protect the quarterback in terms of left tackle for the majority and cornerbacks. That's and wide receivers, that, by the way. Yeah, well, and, and I think they're going to start to come back to center on that as well. But it, everybody else, you're second-tier guys. And there's nothing that you can say or do to force-fit your way into this top tier in terms of money money in the NFL. Well, the it's only way to done. fix it is with, is with the next CBA, right? That's the only way to fix it. we got plenty more to get into here this morning And I got a question as it comes to Josh Jacobs and his current situation. I'll ask you next.